So this past summer, a couple of friends and I decided to go on a hike. Uh, it was a little bit of a different hike. We decided to start at 9.30 at night. And so we arrived at the trailhead, uh, the Batona Trail, in uh, the New Jersey Pine Barrens at 9.30 at night. And the plan was to hike through the night and into the next morning. So it started off great, uh, but we kind of didn't count that we all worked a full day at work. We'd been on our feet all day, uh, so we soon wore down. 2 a.m. was a little rough, uh, but by the time we got to 4 a.m., it was pretty bad. Uh, we had hiked about 18 miles, and limbs were aching, blisters were swelling, uh, there were joints that weren't quite kicking into place the way they should. Um, and at this point, four in the morning, we still had about another 12 miles to travel to get to a place where we could get picked up. Uh, so we were kind of pretty depressed, actually. Uh, we knew we had about another five hours of hiking ahead of us. And so we took a rest on the trail, tried to eat some food. Uh, that didn't really go too well, though. Um, but as I laid on the side of this trail, I was trying to re-energize myself to push through the next brutal five hours. And honestly, all I could think of was my bed at home and a world where walking did not exist. Uh, I was desperately seeking a way out of this dark place. Uh, but we were out on that trail for about 14 hours, uh, about 10 of which were during the night. Um, and we started to think our world has kind of been living at four in the morning for a while now. Uh, there's this major refugee crisis. Our country is stricken with racial violence and the world is dreading the arrival of Tuesday, November 9th. Although for the life of me, I don't understand why Emma Claire's birthday is causing such a stir. Uh, anyway, so these are only the problems that appear on the cover of the New York Times. There are countless of other problems that make us feel like we are lost in this dark ditch of despair. Every minute of every day can feel like it is four in the morning, and we are lying on a dark trail, alone in the woods, aching with pain. But the Bible gives us this great guarantee that one day Jesus will return, the sun will rise, and everything will be great. I had a neighbor who loved to tell me about the church he attended. Uh, he would talk about the beautiful cemetery next door. It pointed to the east, and he would describe how he could not wait to see the day when Jesus would finally return to his people. He described in great detail how the rising sun would shine down upon the graves and Jesus would reward the righteous and persecute the sinners. He was kind of a scary man. Uh, I remember when he first told me this, he was chopping wood and he had like this huge machete in his hands. Uh, that was pretty scary, but uh, he had a point. Um, no, I probably would not describe the, the second coming of Jesus the same way he would, uh, but I do agree it probably would be a pretty decent day and the world will become a better place. But I have two problems with this logic. The first problem is where in the Bible does it say that we have to wait until Jesus returns in order for the world to become a better place? The Bible says just the opposite. Why is God the only being who can bring peace to this hellish place? What good does it do to tell a struggling friend, hey buddy, it's okay, one day God will return in God's full glory and all of this mess will be taken care of? That doesn't really satisfy me. The answer, this answer points to a world in the future, but we're living in the present, and I need today to be better. So, and the second problem I have with this is that by saying one day God will return, this implies that somewhere along the line, God left. And I imagine, probably along with most of you, you don't really agree with this statement. 
God, won, God was the first one to show up. God's the creator. God wrote the syllabus for this course. And I'm a f- in firm belief that God is not the kind of deity who leaves halfway through the ball game, no matter how badly the Phillies are losing. Anyway, the problem that we are faced with is not whether or not God is here, but how do we find God in a world that seems to be stuck at four in the morning? How do we find God in a world that is so stricken with horrible events, it is difficult to believe that the sun could ever rise again? So we are called not to wait for God's grand return, but to seek out God in these dark times. I would like to talk about a couple ways this search for God's love could play out. My first example is a story of Charles. Charles is a very religious man. He's got strong faith that God would always be there to protect him. Charles lived out on the edge of this town, and one day he heard a weather report on his radio that this huge storm would come and the river that ran through the town would flood. People should probably evacuate. But Charles didn't worry, right? Because he was a religious man. He went to church. He even showed up to healing services on Thursday. So he didn't worry. But the next day, the floods came, the storm was raging, and a boat passed by his house. And they said, Charles, come with us, we'll save you. And he said, don't worry, I don't need your boat. God will save me because I'm a religious man and I'm faithful that he will protect me. So, you know, the hours pass, the waters raise, rise, and he finds himself climbing a tree because the waters are so high. So a helicopter comes by, there's the National Guard, right? And they say, Charles, we'll drop a ladder, come with me. We'll save you. And Charles says, no, I don't need you. I have my God, my God will save me. So the helicopter's like, okay, Charles, they leave. Well, the floods rise, the tree falls over, and Charles dies. So Charles soon finds himself at the gates of heaven, and he asks for a meeting with God. He sits down with God, and Charles says, what's the deal, man? I'm a pretty good guy. I'm faithful. I'm religious. Why did you let me die? And God says, hey, Chuck, I sent a radio report, a boat, and a helicopter. What were you doing? So Charles, or Chuck, had a, he had a hard time finding God in the, the dark parts of his life. Uh, so the challenge for us is recognizing God when he lands a helicopter in our front yard. So this is one way this could play out, but I'd like to share a more positive story. And this story is a story of a teenager, Adolfo Kaminsky. This is a true story, and when I first read about it, it brought both joy and humility, humility to my heart. Uh, so the year is 1943, and Kaminsky is a 17-year-old Jewish boy working in a dairy in Paris. For most people, especially the Jews, living in Paris under the Nazi regime was just about as dark as life can get. Each day could have been the last day for Adolfo and for his family, and one day Adolfo's father sent him to pick up forged identification papers from the French resistance. These papers would help get past the Nazis and help them live through the war. So Adolfo shows up, and the French resistance is there, and they have the papers, and all of a sudden, out of all things, milk spills on these papers, and that was it. The documents were ruined, and it, you know, his family probably would have been taken, but Adolfo worked at a dairy in high school, and he learned at this dairy how to get milk stains out of basically everything, right? It kind of comes with the job. Um, so he figured out how to get the milk out of these papers, and before he knew it, he was working at this French resistance uh, location, and he was forging documents day after day. He could do about 30 documents an hour, 
And so every hour he was saving 30 people's lives through the entire war. And he was 18 doing this. And so over the course of the war, by the time he was 19, he helped save thousands of lives. He had a direct impact on the Jews of Paris. And he never took credit for it. Uh, he didn't, never really spoke about it, mainly because a lot of people didn't like him. He kept forging papers through the whole 20th century, uh, including like uh, Canadian passports to get people out of the Vietnam War. But he had a passion for saving human lives. That was it. He didn't care who you were, where you came from, or why you wanted to live. He just knew saving people's lives were good. And he had this unique gift that God had given him, forging papers. And so Adolfo lived through the darkest days of the 20th century, yet he still found a way to make the world a better place. God's gift to Adolfo was very special. It was peculiar. But this incredible gift allowed Adolfo to help those around him. And Adolfo serves a reminder that the light is never completely drained from the world, even when the Nazis start goose-stepping into your hometown. So, even in our darkest hours, God is with us. God works in mysterious ways, and it is our mission as Christians to find God in the shadows of life and share that with the world. So when you're out hiking in the middle of the woods, and it's four in the morning, and your legs already gave out about two hours ago, Please do not give up. Please keep walking because God walks with you.